Hello, friends. This is Matt. Uh, the day that we recorded this episode, we were having some technical glitches. About halfway through the episode, you're going to notice some weird feedback that we just could not identify. I've done my best to edit out what I can, uh, but there's just some times when I just couldn't without uh, making things really awkward. And there are a couple of awkward uh, edits in this. But I think I've done a fairly good job of preserving the intent of what we were trying to say. And I just I hope that uh, those times when I just couldn't get that weird uh, back feed or whatever it was out of there, that it's not too distracting. But I just wanted to give you a heads up on that so you understand what's going on with it. Uh, it's a good time to remind you that this is an amateur podcast and I'm learning everything as we go. So um, with that, uh, let's carry on with the episode. Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt, and with me today we have Karen. Hey. And Eric. Good morning. And Tracy. Good morning. And my head's in a cloud, and I almost forgot everybody's names right there. I've been sick since Tuesday, and maybe that's coming across in my voice here right now, but I've got my uh, I've got my cup of lemon zinger tea here, and Tracy is writing down notes for me for a, a, a get, get well quick scheme. <laughs> to make it through. <laughs> so so uh, hopefully it's not going to last very long. How's everybody else's health? Oh, generally fine. Let's not speak of orthopedic issues. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old and crabby. Yeah. She's not that old. Don't believe her. <laughs> we were talking about last night. He I... did not deny the crabbiness. Okay, so I'm not sure which part of that sentence to be. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> get to the age where you pull a muscle just sneezing, you know. Um, oh, I, I can. I've got you beat. I can hurt myself sleeping. Well, yeah. You wake up. Yeah. When you when you when you realize you hurt and you did absolutely nothing, <laughs> there's something. Yeah. That's that's the day when you go look in the mirror and say, "What happened?" <laughs> Botox. Uh, Botox. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we left off last week. Sarah had passed away, uh, and we had kind of discussed the interesting. Um, system that they had bartered for the property that Abraham buried her in. It was kind of an interesting, Jeez. polite, please take it. No, I'll yeah. pay you. No, I couldn't possibly take the money, but I'll take, take the, the money. money. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so um, so Abraham got some money, not money, got some land to uh, bury Sarah in. And so now we're going to start into chapter 24, and the story shifts gears a little bit because now it's not so much about Abraham, but now we're going to be starting to talk about Isaac. And it reminds us here, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, um, which when we get to the next chapter here, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be going, was he? Was he really that old again? But he decides that Isaac needs a bride. And he does not want a bride from the Canaanites of the area. He wants, he, man, what, a, what an interesting way to, to find a life partner. I know, right? Send your servant. I mean, Isaac isn't even hardly mentioned in the process of this. Abraham sends his servant to go back and pick Isaac a bride from their family, which sounds odd to us because you don't generally, you know, go find your bride at a family reunion. Kissing cousins. Yeah. Uh, so 
<clears throat> well, it says later that Isaac was 40 when he got hooked up with Rebecca, mm -hmm. and Abraham was, what, 100 when Isaac was born? So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, right. Um, now, I wrote down something here in 14. I wrote down a very specific prayer, so I need to look and see here what the prayer was. Oh, oh. so when, when this, um, this servant goes to find this bride... And he has a very specific prayer that he yeah. wants answered. He says, skip over the part, though, that I like. Go ahead. Which part you like? Eric, put your hand under my thigh. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That so is the promise. That is the promise right there. <clears throat> we couldn't shake on it, fist bump, anything like that. It's put your hand under my thigh. Okay, I actually looked that up. Did you look it up? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I somebody did. I looked it up. Okay, and there, there, was, <clears throat> there, was, an Ameri there was an American understanding of the customs and then i looked up a hebrew understanding of sure. the customs yeah. the american understanding of the customs was that thigh didn't mean thigh it meant testicles okay no uh, i'm not kidding okay there's Eric. always somebody that's okay what's, that way. what's reading b in reading b the hebrew understanding is that it was a sign of subser of subservience that no one, no alpha male in his right mind would put his hand under another man's thigh. Therefore, it was a sign of subservience. Well, that sure makes a whole that's lot an more sense. That's an extremely rough paraphrase. Yeah. So That makes a whole lot more sense. Boy, there, there's always people who can make the most bizarre things out of a simple... Yeah. Well, loins. Okay. So it was, it was, no, it isn't thigh, it's loins. So put your hand under okay. my loins means yeah. yes. Right. Okay. So that was the translation thing. I'll take a handshake. Yeah. yeah. Or Thank can we just you. sign it? Yeah. Can I just say, yeah, dude, I'll go. Yeah. Just make sure fine. you use a little Purell first. Yeah, well, the point is here is that uh, we can, we can take our modern readings into this, but this was a man of God and his servant was very, very loyal in fact, at one point, Abraham was going to leave his servant. Is his, this him? His, his I wondered if it was the same mm -hmm. guy. And so this is, this is a really solemn thing. And it goes to what's earlier. Uh, and I, I wrote that down in verse 6. Um, See to it that you do not take my son back there. Right. And that's, that's a really big deal because he has said, hey, look, once I left Canaan... I'm not going back. Right. And I don't want my son going back either. Because the promise was made here. Right. Or and my here. promise was, I was told to leave, and I don't want to leave and then send my son back. Yeah. And this is serious business. Mm -hmm. And we see later Isaac's children not obeying this. Well, one did, one didn't. And, uh, and the trouble this causes. And Abraham was like, this is not going to happen. And so this is why it's such a serious business. Then we get into the oath. Then we get into the prayer. Later, which um, they take this very, very seriously, this whole task. But to your point about finding a bride, it's... That, that was serious business. That was the family, the longevity, keeping everything going. And I looked at it, too, from the point of, you know, when you're talking to your children, it's always, I'm going to ask you to do something, but then I'm going to reiterate exactly what I, what I asked you to do. I want to make this absolutely clear that, number one, don't go back. Number two, you're going to look for this bride. And then um, this is specifically what we're going to look for. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's actually valid. I mean, my daughter um, 
is not expecting me to find her uh, a groom. But that said, I mean, come on, we're, we're all parents. And let's face it, I mean, as parents, we can look at the parents of another teen and have some kind of projection idea <laughs> of where this is going to go. Right. And right. I'm going to say for me, when I was 16, I wasn't paying attention to the parents, the family, <laughs> the like, no way. I had a very limited scope of interest. <laughs> and parents actually do know something about this. And it's not a guarantee. And that also comes with societal norms and expectations. Like if you expect this to be the case and you trust your parents to do this, that's a very different situation. Um, we're not in that situation culturally here. Uh, kids don't tend to trust their parents that much. And sadly, parents have not always done the things that would earn that trust. So interestingly, though, back in the era of arranged marriages, people typically reported about a 50% happiness. Like half the marriages were like, yeah, I'm happy. I love my spouse. It wasn't based on happiness. It was well, obligation but, but and their, tradition. But, yeah. but, but they were still happy. They were still right. happy. And, and nowadays, in a love-based society choice process, it's still about 50%. So, well, there you go. Difference being the divorce rate, which we won't even go there. But yeah. the point is, is that, is that uh, Abraham wants the best for his son, um, and not just offspring, because he could get offspring from any number of people in the area. He's super rich. He could find a bride for his son. That's not a problem. He is concerned, I believe, with the spiritual life of his child and the future that that's going to take. And he feels that um, having family removed such as they are, not as far as I would choose, but um, will be a better bet than just picking somebody who doesn't have this. And as it turns out, Rebecca does appear to have generally early on quite a, uh, quite a, a good and strong character. Uh, later, there's some character flaws, but yeah, we all have those. I'm trying to remember here. Rebecca was Nahor's... Um, Granddaughter? Granddaughter, yeah. yeah. Now, what was Nahor's relation to Abraham? Rose's brother, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're literally talking, well, maybe not first cousins. Second cousins. This would be second, second cousins. cousins, yeah. So I think that's even legal in a lot of states in America these days. Yeah, I don't know how many degrees I don't know, but this. Abraham's married to his half-sister, so <clears throat> yeah. that's even stranger to mm -hmm. me from this culture, but hey. Yeah. Um. So I, what, I, what I like is his servant's prayer. Um, be specific. He's, and I, I highlighted the phrase, before he had finished speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, you guys talk about that, because I'm going to look up another text. Yeah, so the prayer, <laughs> I was getting ready to go with there. And, um, he said, oh, let's see here. Okay, he actually starts it in 12. Uh, oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, please yeah. give me... So that's interesting. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, Lord of my God of my master Abraham. So interesting he didn't claim him for himself. Um, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. So he's doing all this on, on behalf of Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. 
Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. See, I think it revolves all around that because we can look at, you know, throughout the Old Testament and some of the heroes of faith, and they all did that. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, putting prayers that way. You know, I don't know if it's to... Gideon. Yeah, yeah, to <laughs> to solidify, you know what? Show me. Show me all these people that, you know, this whole lineage and the whole history that you've blessed and favored these people do that for me too. Yeah, and I want to point out too, because this gets to the answered prayers thing, and, and we all have prayers that we're like, hey, you know, what's going on here? Is that those were, when they asked and they said, hey, look, I'm, I'm doing this, I need you to help me. They were doing what God had asked them to do. Mm-hmm. They, weren't, they weren't Jonah headed in the wrong direction, (laughs) saying, hey, God, can you send me a ship to take me in the opposite direction? (laughs) And and so I throw out that caution there, just saying, just because we say, hey, show me a way, it's like, we need to be doing the thing that we were asked to do first. Yeah. I think that's important. Now, the prayer, to get to this, this is Isaiah 65, 24, (laughs) reminded me, before they call... I will answer. Yeah. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Hmm. And I think it goes to, I mean, okay, it just says this, that in some way there is a dimension where our prayers are literal and heard when they're coming from the inner monologue in our head. Mm-hmm. That in some way, kind of like we have instruments that can read um, radio waves called radios. We don't see the radio waves, but they're there. And you get the right instrument, you can hear it. That somehow, in another dimension, I guess, our thoughts are real and can be heard by God. And mm-hmm. in Isaiah, he can hear it before we say it. Yeah. And that's because, I mean, he had to send Rebecca before he had this prayer. I, I've thought. That hearing it before you say it, I think of that as a dimension of God not being bound by time. Oh, yeah, I agree. Not, okay, not mm-hmm. so much like literal hearing. Like, right, right. But I mean, I think literally he can hear it, yeah. but he can just go into the future, hear it, go into the past for him our, yeah. know, as our present. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I already set that up a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the thing you're praying for just now is going to turn the corner as you pray for it. You know, I think it's too the, those <laughs> those unfiltered, deepest kind of desires of our heart you know, that are that are truly heartfelt and connected with God, that he knows those already. And then my thing when reading this, too, is it, that we tend to be general sometimes, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, that, you know what, thank you, Lord, for, for blessing me, and, and or I need a blessing, or help me, you know, in some kind of way. But with this prayer, I see that you have to be specific. You know, don't, don't, be, don't generalize it. Ask God what you want. Be specific. I'm kind of with you there. I always have a hard time asking for the specifics. Right. Because somewhere in my head, I'm going, well, God knows what I need. Yeah. And he's going to give over me, me what protect I need. me. Yeah. Well, protect you from what, Tracy? What yeah. do you need? You know, I I'll often think of my dad, and it's like sometimes you just need to make it plain. Don't beat around the bush. Just ask me what you want. Mm-hmm. I sometimes will do the whole, okay, God, I'm pretty sure this is what I want. From my perspective, this is what I want. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually do trust your perspective. But from my point of view, sitting down here, looking at this wide of a slice of my future, this is what I want. So if this is okay in your bigger point of view, please give this yeah, to me. I want an official Red Rider, Rider BB gun with a compass in the stock and a thing which tells time. What? Kate, you'll shoot your eye you'll out. shoot your eye out. <laughs> um, Wait, is this a movie reference that I is. just... Okay. Oh, it's a classic. I am blind. Christmas story. We'll have to fill you what? in. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's a... We'll get you up to speed in the season. <laughs> we got 10 months. So there are two, two verses were coming to mind as, this, as I was reading through this whole story of Isaac and Rebecca and the servant and going on the quest. So the first one, well-known Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So there's that. And then... Um, in Proverbs 16. And then on a personal note, while you look at that one up, mm-hmm. I have something that kind of goes along with that. Um, my wife was just saying that this week. She goes, you know what? I've just been having the hardest time finishing up um, a building that we're doing right now. And and she said, you know, the minute I just felt like I was at the bottom and I said, you know what, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I give it all to you. I submit everything to you. Then it turned around. I think and that's that, the key. Yep, and that scripture that you read just right now is that you just get to total submission, and then God takes control. I, I'm as we're going through this, and I see these patriarchs doing this. That is probably the spiritual lesson that I see the clearest. I, I'm not saying that this is an easy thing. Yeah, but that this idea of I'm totally, totally going to lean on you, and I do not have this together. All right, we'll see what you do. Yeah. That we have to come to that point. Now, sometimes we have to hit bottom before mm-hmm. we come to that point. Yeah. I think it would be awesome if we could come to that point before we hit bottom. God probably thinks that too. I would imagine. And that's, that's the thing, is when Abraham's like, okay, I, I can't do this. I'm Children done. of Israel, we yep. see this later. It's like when they're backed up against, like, okay, we can't handle this. Mm-hmm. That's when God says, yes, well, you never could, actually. Mm-hmm. And so now that you've admitted that and you've invited me, now I can act. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And we, yes, and we see it over and over in a Gideon story. Yeah, oh, yeah. We see that, it's like, hey, you got too many... Too many people, the, the credit won't go to God. Right. right. So the the other text that came to mind, and I had to go look this one up, um, in Proverbs 16, there's three verses. Two of them are right in a row, and then one is just a few down. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked, for a day of disaster. And then a couple verses down, it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Mm. So, and that reminds me of that text in the New Testament that says, don't say, tomorrow we'll go over here and do this. Say, if the Lord wills it, tomorrow we will go over here and do this, right? So the humans are making their plans, but it's God that says either yes or no. This is, this is within the grand scheme of my plans, and you either can or you cannot do it. Yeah. You know, anyway. I think that all ties in together with what everyone is, what everyone is saying, that, you know, I think it's that, that hardest part to say, you know what, Lord... Do your will. I find myself getting stuck on that when I pray sometimes, because I don't know what I'm going to get. Do Lord, dear Lord, do my will. Yep. Mm-hmm. Do, do your will, <laughs> and you know, lead my steps. But that's that's you know a scary part. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Well, 
God does decide, well, decide, God does answer the prayer exactly the way the servant asks. <laughs> mm-hmm. While not- he's still praying. Yeah. While he's still praying. And notice I didn't say God does answer his prayer, because God always answers our prayers. <laughs> like, Matt's pet peeve. I, I, yeah, you know. I used to kind of like the song Unanswered Prayers by Garth Brooks. It's kind, no. of a, it's kind of a nice. It's annoying. But, you know, you think about it, it's like, no, your prayer was answered the whole time, and the answer was no, mm-hmm. you know. But this time the answer was, yes, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. Also, I would like to take this moment to say I would like someone to give me four ounces of gold bracelets just because I'm cute, because then I can go and sell them and buy things I actually want. <laughs> I don't think that was the point. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a very inter- interesting interaction as people's personalities come out here. Mm-hmm. She accepts the gifts. She takes them back. And I have a note here that uh, in verse 30, we have a little foreshadowing of Laban's character. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I was just going to say. <laughs> yep. And it's kind of like, ah, we see him starting to show Laban who he's going to be. Yes. Mm. And verse 45, we see the, uh, the prayer, silent prayer in case we wondered. And I mentioned this to somebody else. I said, you know, I think there's a dimension in which our thoughts are visible to the universe. And that person said, well, I'm going to the bad place. Right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that would be a bad thing. I, I, I do think it's true, though, uh, because the verse says in 40, 45, before I had finished speaking in my heart, in my heart mm-hmm. yep. behold, Rebecca came out. So... Yeah, are the things in our heart, as we see those things later, that God says, you know, I want your heart, or these things <clears throat> in your heart, these, God can actually see it. It's not a metaphor. I think, like, that's a, is radio waves, I'll go back to that, that it's a literal thing mm. that's, that's there. And in, in case you did not feel you needed a Savior, um, chew on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You think God gave him this prayer because it was answered so specifically? Oh yeah, I think I think God had this God had this thing orchestrated. It was always in the works. When yeah. he when he in his heart said, "You know what? I want to follow God. I don't want my son to go back to to the you know, I don't want my son to take a wife from here. I want to keep the religion pure." I think as soon as Abraham had decided that, okay, we're talking about answered prayers, and I believe that God started to answer Abraham's prayer and his servant's prayer, you know, weeks, months, days, I don't know, earlier. So that as he gets to the well and he's like, you know what, here's what I'll do. I'll pray that she comes out. Like, my hunch is that she had a habit of going out and that habit started a long time ago. That's, to me, that means that God is working on our prayers before we ask for an answer. And like you said, um, Karen, time mm-hmm. is a thing that's, it's, it's a one-way thing for us, right? and I don't think it's a one-way thing for God. Yeah, no, totally. I always, picture, I always picture God's view of time as like a house that he can walk around in. Yeah. It just, he just isn't subject to it. Like we're here stuck on a little line that goes from here to there, and that's all we can see and that's all we can do, and he can just kind of walk around since he's the one that made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. Otherwise, somehow being able to um, just see everything all the time. Okay, so we've been talking about um, the cultural differences of of the time. I think it's pretty interesting that they ask, uh, in verse 57, they ask Rebecca. Yeah, I was surprised by that. Because so far, there hasn't been a lot of agency in... in, uh, 
with women, and this time they do. They ask her, even though she's young. My take on that is, is that my my gut says that they were asked, hoping that she was young enough that she would say, "No, I want to stay. I don't think I want to leave right now." Yeah, that and says something about her. She's yes. like, you know what? I'll I will leave I'm my ready. family, everything I've always known. Or it says something about her brother. <laughs> uh, something about both. <laughs> both. <laughs> but I think that's a fast. These little tiny nuggets that get dropped, mm-hmm. you know, about their character. And the first time, I love this. The first time they see each other in the in, in the distance, it's in '63. Um, and Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. It's like he's out taking care of his soul. And this is awesome. I think this is an awesome thing. Yep, I think that speaks volumes, though, too, for his age. We already know that he was, he was 40. 40. You no, know, so he, he already did develop that relationship with God. And, you know, walking around the field, dusk. It was a dusk or in the morning. It says uh, evening. Evening. You know, just being with God, you know, connecting. And, you know, like I said, I think that speaks volumes just on based on how old he was as well. What I also like, and I know we're kind of, I'm jumping back just a little bit, but I thought this was really good, is that even the servant kind of saw, okay, guys, you know, don't delay me. You know what? I, I said oh, we needed to go. We need to go. Don't give me, okay, let's wait 10 days, and then we'll we'll revisit it. He's like, no, I don't really got 10 days. I want to leave now. Yeah. And And I think, too, and then they pulled Rebecca in, and she was like, no, I'm ready to go. Let's go. And you know, yeah, right. And I think that just speaks volumes for her character too. And I think that's kind of what sets the whole stage, you know, later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was very interesting. That basically she was asked one day prior, Mm -hmm. before she was expected to leave, and go marry a guy that who knows if she'd even met. I mean, I know they're family, but but probably not. No, you know. So that was that was that was interesting to me. So yeah, she does leave. Isaac does marry her. Uh, we get into chapter 25 now, and this is where, once again, I'm going, how old could Abraham really have been? Because here again, he takes a wife, and he has more kids. Now, I'm assuming... A bunch of them. I'm assuming here that this is after uh, after Sarah's death. Sure. Although but, it does yeah, talk so about he's got other a, wives yeah, and concubines. Yeah, he's got wife and concubines, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the time frame on this really is, but... Nevertheless, I mean, here for the longest time, he couldn't have any children, and maybe that was because Sarah couldn't. And now he's got another wife, and she's given him uh, one, two, three, four, five, six more children. Right. And here the guy, I mean, if, if this is placed in the time period where, where we just left off with, with Isaac getting married, so what is Abraham now, 140? Um, I think that I think that when Sarah died, Isaac was thirty-seven. So yeah, so it was from then mm-hmm. onward, and then he dies at one hundred and seventy-five. So, yeah. so either way, either way, he still uh, <laughs> Abraham apparently doesn't really have a problem with making babies. Yeah, to that point of inheritance, it's interesting yeah. in verse sixteen. That God keeps the promise of Genesis seventeen twenty that you'll you'll have you know there will be twelve princes, and here mm. they are, you know they're Ishmael's uh, offspring, and God counts them as His own, even though they are not 
the Israelite people. So it's, it's, everyone is his, but then he has a special place for the Israelites, mm-hmm. which doesn't mean that other people don't count, which later kind of became the misunderstanding of some Jews. Right. And, and, and today, too. It's just like, hey, this is our tribe, and God's special to us, and other people are meh. And I think there's a lesson in that for us. Now, when God was talking to Hagar before, didn't he, didn't he say that Ishmael was going to live at war? That he was to be against his brothers. Yeah. And then here in verse 18, his descendants settled in this area, and they lived in hostility toward all the tribes related to them. Yeah. So there's, there's again, uh, I went to a family um, workshop here years, uh, 16 years ago, and the presenters pointed out, like, look, pay attention to favoritism, sibling rivalry, mm-hmm. domestic problems. They said this stuff plays out badly. You really got to pay attention to this because we see it with um, Isaac and Ishmael. We see it later with Jacob and Esau. We see it with favoritism with, um, with sons and it's just, it's always bad. It just never turns out good. But Abraham knew that. Right when we read back when he had to um, kick out Ishmael and Hagar, he was displeased with the whole situation. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, it's almost a given. You know what, that I do this, this is going to set the, the timetable for everything to come. Because right then he basically put him at odds. Put, by putting him out and not, you know, not having him as part of the immediate family was always going to put him at odds. And especially, too, with, I think, with children and that favoritism that, that you see that sometimes, that if they're left out, then they tend to, you know, i.e. the black sheep of the family, and they carry that chip on their shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's why he probably could never be, you know, anything but at odds with his family. I would also take that a stretch further and mm-hmm. say that even if he had stayed... Oh, yeah. He definitely. would have been the black sheep because he, the 13 year old, got set aside for the yep. new baby. And you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. The I, promise I don't, was huge. I don't think that stay, being kept with Abraham and Sarah in that family would right. have solved that problem. Right. No. Well, at least not the way we see it. And that's the thing is that, that when we're like, okay, we have to handle this. As soon as we start doing that kind of stuff, we have trouble because we see over and over. God's transformative power if we're willing to say, you handle this. We, just, we, we do. We see it um, in, in other relationships. Um, so to, from our perspective, yeah, it looked hopeless. It looked like there was no way to solve it. How would God have solved it? I don't know. But he did things like parting the sea, turning five loaves into enough to feed 5,000 people. And so my point is I, don't, I wouldn't want us to say, well, yeah, it was like the only way that could have gone. Given our perspective, yeah, there was no other outcome. It was inevitable. Mm-hmm. We run into that again here in the next chapter or two mm-hmm. with Jacob and Esau. Yes, like yes. God tells Rebecca when she goes to him and says, why are these babies fighting inside me? And he says, well, because you have two nations, and they're fighting in your womb, and the younger is, the older is going to serve the younger, right? And then she takes it into her own hands to make That's that happen. right. Right. Once again, takes it into her own hands. And so how would God right. have done that? It was God's words. Mm-hmm. Right. It would have happened. But yes. how would it have happened? I mean, it would we have happened know. even though Isaac took the initiative to do the opposite of that. Right. It still would have happened. He could have, he could have made it happen 
any number of ways. Yep. If we didn't under if we had not had the story of Jonah, <laughs> who would write in there, hey, let's throw him overboard and a giant fish will take him and then the fish <laughs> will take him to where he was supposed to be. Like no there there is no script writing meeting where that would have been accepted. Oh heavens. Right? Yeah. And so when we say, well, how, how could God have done this? Like, I don't. A giant eagle came down and took the one to. Like, who knows? And mm. Isaac tried to bless Esau, and God shut his mouth. Yeah, and it came out Jacob instead. You yeah. know, who knows what would have happened? That's my point. Is because God's done that. You know, yeah. He's done these things, and so looks impossible. And that's when God can show up and do the thing that He does. Mm. Uh, but well, Esau doesn't really show himself to necessarily be. I'm going to use the word worthy. Worthy of the blessing anyway. I mean, not he, interested anyway. He mm-hmm. ve- yeah, not interested. He very quickly gives up a lot of things for mundane Nothing. stuff. I'm He's hungry. hungry. I'm hungry. I get hungry. Well, sell me your birthright. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, good. Does that do me if I die of hunger right here? Sounds um, like my 11-year-old. I'm never going to eat. I'm dying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, you're probably not going to die. <laughs> you know, it's, but that's what, that's what I heard. When I when I read this, mm-hmm. you know, I just looked at it as as care and concern. You know, it doesn't affect me right now, so I'm not worried about it. Where I I look at Jacob and more of the motherly kind of grooming, maybe along the way, and thinking of you know the research that they kind of do that says that maybe girls mature a little bit faster, and then being in the presence of his mom a lot and getting you know, more of the maybe conversation that he, he was, was on a different level. I think he was, he was already bent that way. Like he just kind of was that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think it was where Esau was more out and about and, you know, hunting and nature and he didn't care about what was going on in, you know, in the tent or the tent area. That wasn't his concern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting. So Isaac's 40 when he and Rebecca get married, and he's 60 before the twins are born. And he went to God on behalf of his wife to ask for children. Mm-hmm. So here's another example of intercessory prayer. Although, yeah, in a way he was, you know, praying for himself too. But, yeah, as, I mean, he says he went to pray to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. 20 years to not have children, mm-hmm. especially in that culture, is it, they had to be devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this idea that, well, if you were doing God's will, then it would all be smooth sailing. I don't know. I see over and over again that that's not the case. Although God does answer prayers and he does make these things, his his word come true. Very seldom is it the way we expect it, and it's almost never when we expect it. Well, this is an interesting conundrum for Isaac to end up in, because he's the one, he is the child of promise from mm-hmm. Father Abraham. You think he didn't grow up knowing that exactly. there's going to be a great nation, and mm-hmm. now here he is, the years are passing, kids. and he's not having kids. You know, and I think that too says a lot about, you know, just what was the expectation. You get married, you have children. Mm-hmm. That's just hand in hand. Yep. Yeah. So the birthright, I think it's not just the inheritance, and I'm not sure how much of that was the inherited part, but it was, as I understand it, the spiritual leadership of the home. Mm -hmm. And to trade that off for anything would Mm -hmm. be um, 
because this was a high honor. The birthright was a was a high honor, and and that was not something to be taken lightly. Um, but Esau seemed to be willing to trade it off with the women. Like you said, Tracy, it's like, yeah, it's not affecting me right now. Not when I can have some hot food in my mouth, and I'm just going to do that. And it also shows Jacob's character. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to let God work this out, like he said, it's like, ah, I'm going to have to scheme to do this thing. And he right. became the schemer. You know, something I noticed here before all this started happening, the parents clearly had favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, it says it. My goodness. Very clearly had favorites. And that, I mean, to be so open about it. Yeah, in verse 28. Yeah. Yeah, Isaac loved Esau because mm-hmm. of the game, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just being that open about who your favorite child is, that cannot be a, a good uh, uh, environment, you nope. know, for, for a happy family. Nope. There was an interesting thing. So remember Abraham and Abimelech and uh-huh. Sarah? Uh-huh. Okay, so Abimelech's still on the throne eons later. Yeah, I was and wondering if it's the same Abimelech. Isaac, well, I mean, guessing I, it is. Yeah, I maybe guess. maybe not. They took the yeah. same names frequently. Yep. So Isaac does a repeat of what his dad did, and 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 when they're gonna go and be around the king of the Philistines, um, Isaac tells his wife, you know, just say that, say that you're my sister, and he tells the people that. And then later, the king sees Isaac caressing his wife and says, why did you say, why did you say that? Why did you say she's my sister? Why, why would you have done that to us? One of the, oh, and the modern feminist in me, one of the men might have slept with your wife. Really? Is it that easy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, what? what? <laughs> but he's, if it's the same Abimelech, <laughs> he learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I... Like, there could have been horrible fallout from this, and, and you're saying that she's your sister? I presume Abimelech knew that Isaac, you know, knew whose son Isaac was, knew he was Abraham's son, and sees him doing the same thing. Exactly. I think I've seen this in the past, or he heard about this in the past. had to have just been furious. What is it with you guys? Why? What is it with you? Are you trying to destroy us? Or You know, it's just I cannot imagine that that would have been a happy time. I like nine. Quite obviously, she is your wife. <laughs> yeah. And least I die on account of her. Right. It's like you're not setting me up for anything good. But that's what makes me think it's the same Abimelech. Because God came to it before in a dream and was like, you're going to die. You have committed wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming Abimelech was probably younger than, than uh, Abraham when the first encounter happened. It's possible. Um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Now, let's, I'm going to talk here just a second about in uh, verses 3 and 4. Chapter... 26. Mm-hmm. Where the covenant is being extended to Isaac. It's pretty much word for word mm-hmm. from what he'd been telling Abraham. Um, but now the covenant is with Isaac. And it's kind of like it's not a new covenant. It's like the same covenant. Um, it's just extended to him. I'm trying to see here, were there any new... Were there any new um, things put in there for Isaac to no, I don't, not I really didn't dwell in the land? I will be with you and bless you. Um, Give this land to your descendants. Yeah. Confirm the oath I swore to your father. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky. Through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. It goes back to it. it goes, it's extended to Isaac. It, it's just continued on here. The land still isn't Isaac's, though. No, no. It's but, a promise yet to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, so okay, so Abimelech learns the truth about Isaac's quote-unquote sister. Yeah, I didn't mean to detract. We were already talking about Jacob and Esau and the blessing and everything, no, but fine. I thought that was kind of an interesting little interlude. Yeah. Um, and for all this being said, and him having to go there um, in front of the king, in 16, I just like the way he, that he says, you know what, I think it's, you know, just go now, because you're, you're much more mightier than we are. Yeah. Move away from us. You have become too powerful mm. for us. Yeah, that was interesting. It's kind of funny the way it's written in uh, 13 and 14, at least here in New King James, says, um, talking about Isaac, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. <laughs> like, like uh, who, who, who was filling in that Mad Lib? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, he becomes, um, his, his, his prosperity brings uh, trouble, though, also. Because in uh, 17 to 22, mm-hmm. the uh, Gerar Ians, I guess we'll call them um, <laughs> from Gerar, are they keep wanting the stuff that um, the the wells yeah. that Isaac has mm-hmm. dug up, and um, they keep taking them one at a time. And I found it interesting that he does Isaac doesn't stop and just fight over everything. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Okay, fine. We'll move on. And then they say, we want that one too. That, that, that one was ours. And like, you didn't, you didn't do this. Well, yeah. it, st- it starts with Abraham's wells. Mm-hmm. The Philistines are envious. And so all the wells that his father's servants had dug right. were stopped up because the Philistines filled them with earth. Yeah. So it goes <laughs> back. And dug them, they dug them out. It did. But, but my point is this, is that he didn't feel like he had to stand up and fight all the time. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, Pick your battles. Exactly. Ask for some wisdom. And apparently, uh, I think it happens three times, and on the third time, the Gararians felt like they had enough wells, and they quit. <laughs> um, but my, my point is this, is that fighting and conflict and standing up to somebody who is not always plan A. Right. But social media. You know, but then I take a look at two being nomadic and having to move around. War can come at a big cost. You know, and especially, too, for all the males, you know, that you have to give up to send to war, the possibility of loss, and you're, you don't have a stable home and you're on the move, that could be devastating. And so I think there you do have to pick, your, pick and choose your battles. You know, if it's coming down to a well, then you know what? There are a lot of wells over here will move down this way. You know, until it comes to the point, okay, now you're just really looking to pick a fight. I mean, they're digging new wells as mm-hmm. they move. Yeah. So, I mean, like, wells are your bread and butter mm-hmm. when you've got herds, herds out. Because yep. you have to take them far enough away from civilization, yep. where that, that well is, in order to have enough grassland for them. So you need your own well out there. That's a big deal. Yeah, right. And it, I think, too, that, you know, having all the herds and stuff like that, we see that that's a sign of, of wealth. You know, that's f- above and far beyond, you know, weighing out the shekels. We very rarely have seen... You know any kind of other monetary things come up here? Yeah. Silver, silver, gold ring—that was about it. Yeah. But everything else is based on herds and cattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I I think that I would be less inclined to fight for what I perceived as mine if somebody was trying to take it from me. If I had a direct promise from God that said. You're in the right place. You're doing the right mm-hmm. thing. Continue doing that, and I will continue to bless you. 
And, and I Isaac it, had a very specific promise. Right. Stay here, continue to live in this land, I'm going to give it to your descendants, and I'm going to bless you. Mm-hmm. And I think we just said it just a little while ago, there's a lot of wells. You can't fight over them all. So this, this is a, to finish up 20, not to finish up, but on the last few verses of 26, when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. And we see later, uh, to skip ahead here a little bit, that he, when he finds out how miserable this made his parents, yeah. he did it again yeah, for the purpose of making their lives difficult. Well, except he goes over where Ishmael is and lives with him. Yeah, so he's making some poor choices. And that, that goes, that goes to, to where I wanted to mention here is that Esau has made the choice to sell his birthright, and he's made these choices um, in domestic union. Union, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, and and here's, and these things have implications for the nation of Israel in the future, big ones. And so this is a very interesting thing. I was talking to my daughter about this, and she said, okay, so in science fiction, we have the concept of a time machine. You can go back in time and, and do something. And everybody's like, okay, so be very careful what you do in the past, because that will impact tremendously the future. She said, why don't we ever think about that now? <laughs> In other words, like think of our 20 year, you know, ourselves 20 years, 50 yeah. years, our families 100 years in the future. Why aren't we making choices now mm-hmm. that we think will make those profound impacts? Like, oh man, if I could go back in time and 20 years and change that, that one thing that I did, well, why, don't, why aren't we making those choices now? thinking, you know, in 20 years, this choice could have profound impacts on my progeny. Esau doesn't seem to be making those choices that no. way. Um, and again, it's easy to to point fingers at these people and the things that they did. Hmm. But today, tomorrow, this week, this year, we will have opportunities to make choices that will have implications. And I wrote this down. Bad choices and impulse often pays off now. Yeah. Good choices usually pay off in the future. Mm. Just something to think about. Marshmallows. Yeah, the marshmallow test. Marshmallow mm-hmm. test. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys seen that video? Yes. Well, I saw it or I read about it. You if can... our readers haven't heard or listeners haven't heard yeah, that, you, you look it up the marshmallow test. They take little kids and they say, Well, you have to sit here and we're gonna put a marshmallow on the plate in front of you. And if you you can eat the one marshmallow right now, but if you wait you can have two marshmallows. And it's not like hours, it's like five minutes. Right, but you to know. watch these kids looking, And then they leave them alone in the room and, and turn a camera on. Video camera and watching these kids, watching the marshmallow, <laughs> thinking about the whole situation is... Yeah. It's hilarious when you think they're their kids and then you put it to adult life and we're like, yeah, it's except not- our marshmallows have doors and windows. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and we can't wait either. Yeah. It was interesting how some kids just absolutely could not handle having that marshmallow in front of them. So I mean, you can some have, them, you, you can have soon, the one marshmallow now, or yeah. in five minutes, if you don't eat it, you can have two. And some of them, I think, it was in their mouth before the door was closed. Mm-hmm. And others, it was... Some of them, they're looking at... You can see they're kind of contemplating things. So one girl picks it up and smells it. Yeah. <laughs> and then some kids, it was like, yeah, okay, whatever, I'll wait. You yeah. know, it's just an interesting, it's just an interesting uh, uh, span of, of ways that, that these kids would, would do that. But it goes it to cool. the point here of... of are are these people are are we 
willing to let God do the thing over time? Yeah. Or do we have to have it right now? Because as we jump into chapter 27, mm -hmm. the first thing that happens is we're inserting human will and, and using techniques that are not God-ordained or blessed to accomplish what God has promised. It's like, well, God's not doing it fast enough. I guess we'll have to do it our own way and causes troubles. Yeah. I was curious why, and, and maybe, this, maybe this happened and it just wasn't recorded, but to me, it's like, why, if Rebecca knows that this is happening, why wouldn't she go to Isaac and say, but God promised that the older will serve the younger. Why are you getting ready to bless the older? You know what I mean? Like, yes. That seems like a conversation that, that would sort of naturally happen if, if the partners both know about the promise. Right. I mean, they'd heard this. Yeah. Why don't we just say, you know, God, what do you want us to do here? Yeah. But that doesn't seem to be part of either of their plans. Well, the, the older will a... serve the younger was what God said to Rebecca when she went to him when she was pregnant. So, I mean, like, did she, I mean, I'm assuming she told Isaac about it, but I don't, it, there's nothing here that says that it was told to Isaac directly. You know, and I think, too, it's just upholding the whole facade of just tradition. You know, it was probably the custom of the land that this is the way it was. Yeah, and that's his and, favorite. Yep. And, and I'm going to continue just along with it. Well, anyway, I, I thought that that was odd, that there yeah. wasn't an open conversation about... It, yeah, it does, for them. But then again, I read things in the Bible, I, I, I'd hate to say, because uh, I could get the attribution wrong, but there's a famous saying, is, is it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that trouble me, it's the parts that I do. <laughs> and we're told, pretty plainly, not to do certain things, and yet we could come up with the most elaborate and amazing explanations for why it's okay to do the thing that God said, don't do. But only for me right now in this situation. Because I, I want it. Because I want it. And then Be I'll live with the consequences. Ah, yeah. The no. Consequences. But I don't we don't think about that. But here in 2713, that was the next thing I'd mentioned, mm -hmm. I made note of his mother said to him, because they're doing this whole thing by intrigue. They're going to yeah. trick the father. It's yeah. going to be straight up, flat out lies. And his mother says in 2713, his mother said to him, let the curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go and bring them to me. I mean, that is loaded with so much. Is that mm -hmm. he he you listens? Know what you're going to get. He listens to his mother in spite of the fact that he knows what he's about to do is absolutely wrong. She knows that it's wrong. She says, "Oh, she kind of says it casually." That's also not his objection, though. His objection, though, is my dad will know the difference. Yeah. So it's, but he and he already doesn't like me. I'm not his favorite. It's a wrong thing. I mean, he knows this. Yes. Um, but his mother's thing: let your curse be on me, as if this were a casual thing. She gets the curse. There's going to be ramifications. There are is, ramifications. Is what she's saying, and I, I always look at this. And she gets them. Yeah, she knows. Well, she, I mean, but she says it so casually, like, ah, let the curse be on me. She loses her favorite son, and mm -hmm. she never sees him again. Yep. She, I think above and beyond that, she loses everything. Oh, yeah. Because what number one... What kind of relationship does he have with her husband? With now? her husband. With Esau, her remaining son? Esau is probably pretty upset at her, too, to the point of, you know what? You know, I hate to, hate to go this far, but maybe even you're dead to me. This is what you've cost me. And then Jacob has to leave. So in essence, she lost everything. Yeah. But then I look back and I look at sometimes lies can be very simplistic. It just kind of flows off your tongue, um, an untruth. This was a well-hatched 
plan, a deception, mm-hmm. plot. Straight this up. is on another level yeah. that it t- tells you exactly you put a lot of effort into this, then the consequences are going to probably be a little bit bigger. Because, you know, I look at it, she had props. There was props involved in this whole elaborate scheme that she, she cooked up. Yeah, this wasn't an off-the-cuff thing. Food, hair on the arms, you know, she... The smell of the clothes, exactly. everything. It put a lot of thought. She did. She put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. So, so in 34, Esau is like, bless me, bless me, which is interesting because in 2532, he's like, meh, I need to give it to you for a... I'm hungry. You know, some, some red red stew. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's lentils. It said lentils later down. But then it all it could is. come down to maturity, too. It could, but to me, it says, be careful with eternal things. Mm-hmm. Is it when we're casual with like, that's just, I don't care. I mean, you look at Abraham, uh, at Esau now, I mean, like, now he's all of a sudden like, what? Oh, I'm missing out on this. I, mm-hmm. Now I care, um, which I understand why he feels cheated, and I would too. Um, but that's something that in his character he didn't care about before. Yeah. This is an interesting... This situation struck me as a very interesting sort of manifestation of the oath, like the current in this time understanding of the oath. Because if anything even remotely this trickster-ish happened today, it would be like, nope, fraud doesn't count. Right. Right? Right. And then, like, Esau swore an oath to Jacob out in the field. I will give you my birthright for the stew. But Isaac wasn't honoring that. He was going <coughs> to bestow the birthright on the oldest son by tradition. You know, it's, it's, so it's like, like, do there have to be witnesses to the oath? Like, what makes the oath binding? You know, there's this whole mm-hmm. kind of thing. But there is nothing in this chapter that causes havoc for the rest of all of these people's lives. There's nothing here that would be binding today. Mm-hmm. Today it would be like, no, you tricked him. That was dishonest. That's fraud. Undone. Do over. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting. Well, I think it goes back to your word actually meant something. It was more of an honor kind of code to that where... I don't think that holds so true today. Mm-hmm. It's been diluted down. Yeah. D- diluted. <laughs> so this this whole thing about waiting for God to do what he's going to do in spite of the fact that it looks impossible just keeps, keeps, keeps coming up. And here we have another one. It's the, the tail end of this thing, this promise. Could God have figured out another way to do this? I think yes. But they were tested. You know, they were, they were put in this, and they were tested. God had told Rebecca, as you said, Karen, to, to Rebecca, hey, the, the, old, the uh, older will serve the younger. Mm-hmm. How would he have done that? I don't know. Don't know. Um, but they didn't wait. They didn't wait for it to show up, and they took it out on their own. <clears throat> it reminds me of um, Psalm 66, 10, 11, and 12. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You have laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water. You have brought us out to a place of abundance. And we're going through all this trouble and all these testing and all these things, and then God brings them through. But my point in, in that is, is to say that God does test. You know, Genesis 22.1, God tested Abraham. And, and it's mentioned again in Hebrews eleven nineteen. Oh, it goes on yeah. and on and on. 
and and so my point is simply to say if bad things happen don't assume that god has abandoned you mm-hmm. um and that this may be a test sometimes we bring things on ourselves which may be a test of if it's of a kind i don't know mm-hmm. but the idea that if you if you subscribe to if you follow God, that everything will go smoothly, is just, that's not how it happens. Right. I mean, Rebecca's marriage was an answer to prayer, straight up. Mm-hmm. And yet, she waited 20 years to have her first children. Right. Which had to be very hard. Only children, I think, right? Yeah, yeah she had just those. It. And that's... And, and so to lose them all. Ugh. Yeah. And so, this is... This is I guess we're going back to Job and so on, the idea of the prosperity gospel and the idea of taking things into our own hands is is unwise. Well, okay, so you mentioned earlier what, what your daughter was saying about, well, why don't we make choices now? I mean, why would we need a time machine and only have to be careful in the past? Because, you know, why wouldn't we make choices now? So and it reminded me of this text in Proverbs, one of my favorites in the Bible, um, Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. And we're talking about character. You know, we know we know Laban from his later interactions with Jacob. You can see that same character. Yeah. You can see Esau's character. You can see Jacob's character. You see Rebecca's character. Yeah, they're all living within God's will. And maybe we'll put our toe out here. Maybe we'll change things there. Maybe we'll just say this lie or maybe just that lie and maybe it'll be okay. But like there's another, the other version of it. Okay, so I've got a parallel Bible. I've got f- uh, four versions here. So the, the King James says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Mm. I, I kind of like that translation better. But sure. anyway, kind of interesting. But it's cool that even though they screw up, all these patriarchs in one way or another, mm. God still... Still, he doesn't abandon them. It's like, you know, I gave you one chance. All right, well, now I'll go find somebody else. He doesn't uh-huh. do that, and that's the part that gives me hope for now, is that he, even if we mess up, do stupid things, maybe even intentionally wrong, like you mentioned, Tracy, I mean, this was a, quite a plan they hatched in 27, yeah. is that God is still willing to work with us, and he's not done with us, until we say we're done with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that seems like a great place for us to stop for this week. Uh, next week, we're going to pick it up. I think we're going to do chapters, Genesis chapters uh, 28 through 32. That will bring us up to... Uh, oh, that brings us up to the whole wrestling with God scene. That's a really cool scene. Oh, that's yeah, gonna that's be, a good one. It's going to be a cool one to talk about, so hopefully we'll have time to get through all of that. Um, but So that's what we'll prep for for next week. In the meantime, remember that you can contact us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. Uh, that's where you can uh, tell us that you like us, that you love us, that you hate us, that... Uh, you know, or give us your questions and comments there. That Matt sounds funny with a cold. Matt sounds terrible with a cold. Uh, remember, you can find us on Facebook. Um, be sure you share this podcast with your friends and your family. Share it with your enemies too. Share it with everybody. We want everybody to listen to this thing. <laughs> and be sure when you list when you find us, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a whole bunch of others. Make sure you subscribe there so that you get this in your feed uh, automatically every week. Um, we will talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening.